I want to ask you this morning, do you have faith in the resurrection of Jesus? And when I say faith, I'm not speaking simply an acknowledgement that it happened, but, but a faith that overwhelms you with joy, a faith that, that, that alters your focus in life, a, a, a faith that truly changes every aspect of your life. Do you have that kind of faith? That's, that's the kind of faith that, that this belief can, can generate in individuals. The resurrection is the most important teaching for the Christian. It is the, the, the foundation, the, the, the basis of everything. Paul wrote in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 14 and 17. Paul, Paul wrote in, in verse 14, if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. In other words, your faith in the cross is of no value if there is not the resurrection. Your faith in the perfect life of Jesus is of no value if there's not the resurrection. Your, your love and appreciation of this, this holy day, the Sabbath, is of no value without the resurrection. Even your own salvation is non-existent without the resurrection because in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 17, Paul continues on and says, if Christ has not been raised from the dead, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Every teaching about Jesus, every teaching about the Christian church, everything we as Christians hold on to hangs in the balance on this truth. Jesus is alive. So does that teaching, does that belief, does that faith change your life? Does it alter your focus? Does it, does it give you a joy? Does it give you hope and a peace that passes all understanding? It was faith in this teaching that transformed the disciples and the Christian church. How do we know this? John chapter 20, verse 19 tells us that on the evening of that day, the first day of the week, which was the Sunday, the doors being locked. The disciples were all gathered together and they were in a room and the doors were locked. And the Bible tells us the doors were locked because the disciples were afraid of the Jews for fear. Jesus had died and now his followers were hiding out in fear. His friends were hiding out in fear. Fear of being associated with Jesus is actually had begun even before Jesus had died. Fear of having the same fate as Jesus had had come upon them. Fear of, of being seen also as traitors to the society. Fear of, of what would come next. They were in a room and they were scared and then something happened. Verse 19 continues. Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, 
peace be with you. And soon after that, those disciples left that house completely different people because they had seen the risen Savior. Shortly after that, in the book of Acts chapter 2, we read that, that, that Peter, standing with the eleven, with the, with the other disciples, lifted up his voice and addressed them, saying, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. This Jesus, delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, loosing the pains of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. They went from hiding out, scared to even be associated with Jesus, to now standing before a large crowd, publicly declaring that these people had played a role in putting Jesus to death. They went from huddled in a room to preaching in the public square. They went from being scared to, to suffer the same fate as Jesus to, in the book of Acts chapter 5, the Bible tells us that, that some of the disciples were, were, were brought in before the leaders and told not to preach anymore in the name of Jesus. And, and then they were beaten and mocked just as Jesus had been done, has been done to Jesus. And the Bible tells us that these men who had at one point been scared that the same fate that would come to Jesus would come to them, they now, the Bible tells us in Acts chapter 5, verses 41 and 42, that they now rejoiced that they were counted worthy to suffer for the name of Jesus. And the Bible tells us, and every day, they were told, stop talking. And the Bible tells us that every day they went in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching that the Christ is Jesus. They became men of boldness. Their entire lives were changed and altered. They weren't bold when they watched Jesus die on the cross. It wasn't the cross that made them suddenly bold. They weren't bold because they had spent three and a half years with Jesus. They spent three and a half years with him and now suddenly he was gone and they said, what do we do now? We're fearful. It was one idea. It was the reality that Jesus was alive and it changed everything about the course of their life. Is the faith that you possess that type of faith, the belief in this truth, that type of belief that it literally alters your focus and changes your life and gives you hope in the face of, of tragedy. It gives you Peace in the face of conflict. It gives you courage in the attacks of the devil. The life-altering faith of the resurrection. All the disciples minus two died as martyrs for the message that Jesus was alive. Indeed, it was this message that they died for. It wasn't the message that Jesus had lived on this earth and had taught some good things. The government wasn't bothered by the fact that Jesus had lived on this earth and taught some good things. They might not have liked everything he said, but hey, a lot of people had done that and they were dead and gone. It, it, wasn't, it wasn't the fact that Jesus had died on a cross. Other people that had tried to lead causes for the, for the cause of God had died and the government didn't care if they talked about that. What what was disturbing to the government is that they were preaching that Jesus is alive. 
And this made this man different than everybody else. Different than everybody else. And for that message, they died. For that message, they died. What changed them from being scaredy cats huddled in a room to a world-changing martyrs? It was faith in the resurrection and the truth of Jesus. Is that the type of faith that you possess in the resurrection of Jesus? Or is this just simply a day we do in the year and we move on and do it again next year? Jesus died, he rested, he rose again. Nice, we'll see you next year. Or is it a life-altering, focus-changing, joy-overwhelming type of faith that you possess? So how do we have this type of faith? How do we get this type of faith to, that changes everything for you? We know that there's evidence in this book. There's evidence to the resurrection of Jesus. There's evidence in, in history. But at the very basic level, the only way for us to ascertain this faith, to, to gain this faith, is this. We have to want to have this type of faith. In fact, I would say that most of us, if we don't possess a life-altering faith, it is for the simple reason that we don't really, truly want it. We don't want it. A person who, who doesn't believe doesn't believe because they don't really want it. There is evidence. There are those that, that are unbelievers, and the unbelievers have just as much faith as I do in my belief. An unbeliever has just as much faith in I do in my belief. They see their evidence and they say, I choose to believe in this evidence that there is no God. I choose to believe in this evidence that there is no creator. I choose to believe in this evidence that there is no faith. And in that alone, they are placing faith, just as I place faith in a God and a creator and in one true faith. Let me simplify it this way. Faith begins with our desire to have something. Opening day of baseball season was this past Thursday. This is, other than Sabbath, and now I gotta add my children's birthdays and my wife's birthdays, but this is the greatest day of the year, opening day of the baseball season. As a child, my parents never made me go to school on opening day of baseball season. I was raised very well. My kids did go to school on opening day of baseball season this year, but they will not be there this coming Thursday because we'll be at Nationals Park for their home opener. My parents did a good job. I believe I'm doing a good job in following their tradition, and I make no apologies for it. I love opening day of baseball season. Every year, thousands, tens of thousands, millions of people begin the baseball season with faith that this year is their team's year. Some of you are laughing. 
because you're Orioles fans. They believe that, that this is the year that their team will win. And so they have faith in that. They have faith in that. It's not faith that's based on an abundance of evidence. It's not faith based on, on the games that have been played and, oh, we've watched them play all these games and it shows that they're going to win. It is faith based on, that is produced out of desire in their heart for something that they want to have happen that they want to have happen. Faith begins with a desire, a want for us to have it happen. A life-altering faith in the resurrection of Jesus begins with, with that, that, that subtle kernel of desire in each of our hearts that says, I want something different in my life. Philip Yancey once wrote, that all faith begin or grows out of the soil of desire. All faith grows out of the soil of desire. And we can look at the story of the disciples and say, well, it was easy for them to have faith because they saw Jesus in the flesh. But Jesus had a belief in you, and Jesus had a belief in me, and Jesus had a belief in millions and millions of people around the world that we could possess that same faith in Jesus even without seeing that we could possess that same gift, even without sight. John chapter 20, beginning in verse 24, the Bible tells us, Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But Thomas said to them, Unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails, and place my finger into the mark of the nails, and place my hands into his side, I will never believe. I will never believe, the English Standard Version says. Listen to that language. I will never believe. Remember that statement from Phil Bianzi. All faith grows out of the soil of desire. There was this very smart woman that wrote some things more than 100 years ago, and she wrote this. Thomas was not with them. He heard the reports of the others and received abundant proof that Jesus had risen, but gloom and unbelief filled his heart. And then she says this. She says, there's the evidence, there's all the evidence. But then she says this. He was determined not to believe. Thomas didn't have a lack of faith because he hadn't seen. Thomas didn't have a lack of faith because there wasn't evidence. Thomas didn't have a lack of faith because he hadn't heard. Thomas didn't have faith because he was determined not to believe. Most of us struggle in our faith, not because there's not the evidence of Jesus, not because there's not the evidence of truth, not because there's not the power of truth, but because something in us says, you know what? I don't want that in my life. I will never believe. He was determined not to believe. He didn't want in that moment that life-altering faith in the resurrection. Maybe that's someone in here that struggles with belief. Maybe even if mentally you believe in, in the resurrection, it has not transformed your life into a belief, into a faith that will, that will change the world that will change your world. Maybe you're scared or, or don't want such a faith because you know that, 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 that 
that that type of faith really does change everything. For the disciples, that type of faith, faith in the risen and resurrected Christ changed everything. There was two options based on this faith. There was the faith that people saw in them. They saw this faith and they said, we want to follow Jesus. And then people saw this faith and said, we want those men to die. Two options. That's how powerful that faith was. We believe in Jesus. We want them to die. It was a powerful, powerful faith. Maybe we're scared to, to really desire that life-changing faith because we know that if we embrace that type of faith, that it will change the way we do our jobs, that it will change maybe even where we work, that it will change the relationships that we have in our life. Maybe we know it will change, change something that we've believed for so long, but we're not willing to surrender that belief that we know is an error, but, but this faith challenges us. A faith that alters everything. That's the power of the faith in the resurrection. I praise Jesus that he works on us in our stubbornness. John chapter 20 and verse 26 Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. And although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. And then he turned to Thomas, and I love this, he turned to Thomas in his doubt and in his struggle and in his, and in his determination not to believe. And he said, put your finger here and see my hands. And put your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Jesus met Thomas in where he was at, and I love this because it reminds me that even that desire that is placed in me is placed in me by the work of God. God said, you have no, you, you're determined not to believe, Thomas? Well, I'm going to put it right before you, and I'm going to try to place that desire in your heart because I love you. You might be determined not to have a life-changing, life-altering faith, and God will ultimately let you stay in, in that in that in that tepid faith, in that, in that safe space. But Jesus is not going to not confront you with the opportunity to say, I want more. And Thomas is confronted in the very things he said, I will not believe unless I touch his hands. I will not believe unless I place my hand in his side. And so Jesus says, all right, here it is. Here's my scars, on my hands, and in my side. And Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. And everything changed. My Lord and my God. Jesus says something very important, though, after this moment. And it's very important for us. Jesus said to Thomas, have you believed because you've seen? Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those, in other words, what Jesus is telling us in this moment, he's about to tell us that, that even if we haven't seen, we can have that same life-altering faith where we come to that place and we say, my Lord and my God. He says, you, have you, do you believe because you have seen? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed, who have not seen and have yet have believed. Jesus' expectation is that we can believe, that we can have this same 
life-changing, focus-altering, joy-overwhelming faith in which we stand before the Christ and say, my Lord and my God, even though we have not seen it with our own eyes. Ellen White wrote, should the world now follow the example of Thomas, no one would believe unto salvation. So for all who receive Christ must do so through the testimony of others. Other than the 500 people, Paul tells us that 500 people saw Jesus after his resurrection. Other than the 500 people that saw Jesus after the resurrection, all of history has had to have faith based on the testimony of this book, based on the testimony of someone else. But even those testimonies are not enough because Thomas had those testimonies. At the very beginning of it all, it must start with that kernel of desire in your heart and mind to say, I want this over this. I want this over this. A belief that begins not based on evidence, not even based on an abundance of knowledge, but based on that desire that exists in our heart that there is something more. So do you, do I, do we have a life-altering faith in the resurrection? The reality of Jesus as my Savior, as the risen Savior, has changed my life. And I do have faith based on, on evidence. My faith has grown based on the evidence. But my faith did not begin and my life was not initially altered because of evidence, because of knowledge, or even because of experience. 22 years ago this April, there was a simple moment when a preacher stood up and said, do you want to accept Jesus? And in that moment, that I had not even realized five minutes before, there was this moment in which I said, I want this more than I want this. And I realized something that I had not realized five minutes before, that I had a desire in my heart for Jesus Christ and for something more. And that desire God took a hold of that, that, that kernel of desire in my heart and he put in their faith that changed the entire direction and course of my life. It begins with that moment of desire. Is this the type of faith in the resurrection of Jesus that you possess do you desire a focus-altering, life-changing, joy-overwhelming? Do you desire a peace that passes all understanding? Do you desire to have boldness in the face of conflict and struggle? It only comes through Jesus Christ. I could testify of that, and there are many people in this room that could testify that they have tried other ways to have peace and to have joy and to have hope and to have love in their life. And they, to a one that has truly accepted Jesus Christ, will testify to this reality. The only place to find those in full, in a life-altering way, is in covenant and commitment to Jesus Christ. And it begins with the desire that that's what I want in my 
life. So I ask you, is that what you desire? I want to invite you to pull out your connection cards at this time that are in your bulletins. If you all just pull those out. And on the back of your connection cards there, there are some responses. And I want us to go through these for just a moment. Those that are watching at home right now, you can write us, chad.stewart at spencervillesda.org. I'd love to hear from you. Or you can respond on Facebook as you're watching live right now. And we'll follow up with you too, no matter where you live. But I would like to ask Jesus to save me from this world and lead my life. If you've not made that decision before, I hope that you will check that box. If you've not really made that decision, that, that commitment, I would like Jesus to save me from this world and lead my life. You have that desire in you. Maybe you don't fully understand it. Maybe you don't fully recognize what that means. But, but there's a desire in your heart to not be here anymore and to now be with Jesus. Check that box. The next one, I desire a life-altering faith and ask Jesus to give that faith to me. That can be all of us. Maybe some of us have been going through the motions. Maybe some of us have known that our faith has been tepid. It's been, it's been hesitant and we've not fully wanted to surrender to the faith that God has called us to live because we're scared of what it will change in our lives and what it will mean for our relationships and what it will mean for our homes and our workplaces. And we say, you know what? I don't want to live that way anymore though. God, I desire a world-changing faith. If that's you, then check that box. Then we have, I've never been baptized and would like to be baptized in water by immersion. That was a sign of my commitment to Jesus. If you have not done that, you're on this journey of faith, but you need to make that step. Or maybe you're looking for a church or you want to know more about the Seventh-day Adventist Church. We'd love to follow up with you on that as well, and you can check that box also. But I pray for me, and I pray for you that, that, that we will have that experience as Thomas had, even though we have not seen, we will have that experience in which we can say, my Lord and my God, and life is never the same again. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your patience. We thank you for meeting us in this world in which we live. And not only for living and dying, but we thank you for being our risen Savior. We thank you that we can say with confidence, and I say with confidence, Jesus, my Lord and my God, is alive. To you be the honor and the glory and the power. Amen.